Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Better Together, Part 2, Serve, recorded Sunday, April 25th, 2021. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Josh with today's message. Hey, I realized something uh, that I have moved at least one or two people over the course of my time here at Third City Christian Church. People will call going, hey, uh, as a youth minister around, I need, I need to move. And like it's a, it's a pretty consistent ask. And I've learned some things. Moving in the Midwest is broken, you guys. There's ways that you can do it simply, efficiently, and we have effectively broken it. And it's because of this. It's because of the whole, like, I don't need no help from nobody. I'll carry this box all the way from this bedroom all the way down to the truck uh, all by myself. I don't need your help. It's because of that type of mentality it's broken. And, and it doesn't matter if you have 100 people there to help you and 80 million trucks. The trouble resides at the front door. There is only one front door. And only one person can get through that front door at a time. Two people cannot pass, especially carrying a box, if you can imagine this, uh, cannot go through that door at the same time. And I've realized how broken the system is, and, and uh, I've also realized the solution. It's called the moving assembly line. And it's very simple, and it would work for anyone and all of you if you would choose to embrace this mindset. It's simply this. And if you've been on a student ministry trip with me, you know that this is true. You make an assembly line all the way from where the, the stuff is to where you want it to be. You space people out. And it's easy. You just do this. And you catch it. And you give it. And you give it, and you, and you do it over and over again. And when you're moving a household, you've got two people loading in the truck. You've got someone in the house giving directions. This room's next. And bam, everything is done in a matter of time. I would write it out for you in your floor plan. It would only cost you a cup of coffee. And I would do that for you. Uh, but no, moving is broken. And the reason this is uh, related to what we're talking about today is humanity is so much better together. And I can tell you all day long the what's about how you should move your house or the what's about how you should live, but I've felt this conviction, Third City, about we don't spend enough time talking about the why. Talking about why is it that we should do this? Why should we live this way? Why, why are we called to be this? And, and I've looked at my own life, and I, and I can look at you and go, I'm on this journey together with you. For you shouldn't think for a moment that I have everything from A to Z figured out in my life. Like I am still on this path with you figuring this out as well. What does it mean for me as a father to, to be following Jesus? What does it mean for me as a husband to be following Jesus? What does it mean for me as an employee to be following Jesus? I am on this same path as well and I don't claim to have it all figured out. And so here is the first why that I want to talk about today. Why is to, together better? Why, are we, why do we feel like together is better is such an important thing that it would garner uh, three or four weeks of a sermon series? What is so important about this? It's simply because humanity is better together. I feel like walking with Jesus the moment that you decide, like we just witnessed a baptism, the moment that we decide that we're going to walk with our Lord, all of our life feels like one giant move. 
I feel like from the moment that I committed and I said my entire life belongs to the Lord, the Holy Spirit came in and said, okay, we're going to do a little move in here. We've got some stuff that's got to, we've got to get it out. Uh, looks at me and says, Josh, you see that old piano that represents uh, your bad habits, uh, the way that you treat people? That piano's got to go. That pi- and I'm like, okay, I see the piano. I understand that. Uh, and they say, Josh, you see that uh, double-wide 1970s refrigerator that's never going to fit through the doorway? Don't know. They must have built the house around it. Uh, that refrigerator that represents... Um, your past relationships, your past habits, your past brokenness, that refrigerator's got to go. And I go, okay, I see the refrigerator, it's got to go. The, the trouble is, Third City, we look at our personal lives in the same way that we look at moving our homes, and we think that we have to shoulder all of this alone. We think that it's our responsibility to throw this piano on our back and lug it out of the house uh, and all the way to the dump. We think that that's our responsibility alone. We miss the fact that that God has designed the church to be with people. He never intended for you to feel like you have to go through uh, your spiritual baggage and lug all of this by yourself. Like none of us in our right minds would go, I'm going to move the entirety of my house by myself. You would fail after after you threw your dryer down the flight of steps. You'd go, this is dumb, I'm I'm not doing this. But for some reason in our spiritual lives, we feel like we can carry all of this stuff that quite honestly feels heavier than a piano. And I'm grateful that at the same time we witnessed a personal decision to follow Christ, God has called us to live out our faith in the community of the church. Because I'll tell you from my own personal experience that I need it. I need people next to me grabbing the other end of the refrigerator. I need people next to me that are willing to make a million trips in and out of my life, dealing with the same thing over and over and over again. And you know what? Sometimes I have to sit on on the sideline and watch other people help me because I just simply can't move and I can't do it emotionally or spiritually in my own life. I'm sure that some of you in this room understand what I'm talking about. God has called us to make that decision to move with him as an individual, but we do it together in the church, and that is the why. And we see at the end of John chapter 17, we get to see the call of God to live united as a church and the passion that Jesus had that we would be obedient to that call. You see, Jesus had already spent time in prayer uh, getting ready for the crucifixion, He had already spent time in prayer praying for his closest followers. And then in John 17, starting with verse 20, we see him praying for us. He's praying for me. He says this in verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone. He said, my prayer isn't just for my disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Third city, that's us. That all of them may be one, Father. Listen to the unity language. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And listen to this last sentence. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even 
as you have loved me. Before we even preach a sermon, before we sing a song, before we work on a group project, before we do anything as a church, the simplest form of testifying to the goodness of God is that we as a church would live in unity. That's what Jesus was praying for. He was saying, God, if you could just get them to live as one as you and I are one, people will believe that I was who I said I was, that I did what I said I was going to do, and I will continue to do that throughout all of eternity. They will believe in me simply if they live unified, simply if they're better together. That is the why behind Better Together. And last week, Dan did a great job speaking to this idea of our worship being a kiss towards God, a response towards his goodness. And Parker reinforced it Wednesday night at Element with this really cool uh, graphic that said, we don't worship God to gain his attention or his response. That's backwards. God has responded to us in our lives, and our response is how we worship. And the piece of worship that I find myself focusing on, because I'm not, I don't see myself as a musically gifted man, the piece of worship that I find myself focusing on mostly is my service, how I serve how I love people, how I'm present in people's lives. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And quite honestly, Third City, the condition of our heart should be demonstrated in the way that we live. And that's how we serve. How do we serve? The condition of our heart as followers of Jesus, as having faith in Jesus, should simply pour out of our lives to those around us. The brother of The brother of Jesus, a man named James, put it this way about how our actions, how our service are connected to our faith. He said this, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, hear these words, this is deeply convicting. Faith, by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Man. He's not saying that we're earning our salvation by the things that we do. He's not even hinting towards that. He's going, look, your faith, if it doesn't change the way that you live, it's dead. Man, that's, that's convicting for me. That means I've really got to take a hard look as a follower of Christ in the way that I'm living, in the way that I serve people around me. I've got to take a hard look at that. So the first what, I said I'm going to spend more time on explaining why today instead of what. The first what that we're briefly going to talk about is what does it mean for me to serve? How do I serve? And I don't want to insult your intelligence because I believe the answer to this is very simple, Third City. All you have to do is to take the focus of your life off of you and put it on the people around you. I mean, if I could simplify it, I would just say, pay attention. Look at the people around you. The opportunity to serve is going to be everywhere. 
Man, kids in the room, if you've got parents, you're going to see the opportunity to serve left and right. Parents, if you've got kids in your house, I don't have to tell you. You get it. Opportunities everywhere. If you've got grandparents, opportunities to serve. If you have a job, coworkers, opportunities to serve. If you're in school, look at your teachers, look at your, uh, your fellow students, look at your administrative staff, custodial staff. If you have a job, look at, look at the, admi- the uh, administrators there, look at to the people leading you, the people you're leading, opportunities to serve everywhere. All you have to do is get the spotlight off of yourself and stop being so concerned about your needs and look at the needs of those next to you. First Peter chapter 4 says this, and this helps me with how do I serve. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I'm grateful to hear that because Third City, you know what this means? That means uh, that I am called to take the way that God has shaped me, the way that God has gifted me, and I'm to use that for God's kingdom purposes going forward. So it means I don't have to feel the pressure to hold one of these microphones and sing in front of people. I don't ever have to do that. And some of you guys are going, yes, amen to that. And like other ones, you're like, you know what else it means? It means you don't have to feel the pressure to get up in front of a group of people and teach. I, don't, I will never have to find myself for three days at a camp with kindergartners. Never. Praise God. <laughs> but you know what? I'd take three weeks with high school students. It wouldn't even feel like work. You're never going to find me quilting a quilt for the homeless. It's just not my gift, you guys. You're not going to find me organizing anything. You could ask the people that I work with. No, that's not my gift. But you know, you will find me maybe up on the mezzanine talking to some high school students about dating culture and what God wants for them in their lives. You'll find me doing that. You'll find me having coffee with someone talking about the the challenges of parenting. You'll find me doing that all day. You may find me up on, the, up on the mezzanine, lost in thought, thinking about where God may want to take our student ministry or this church next. Man, I'll dive deep on that, and I'll work hard on that all day long. Occasionally, you'll find me preaching from this stage because it's how God has gifted me. I don't feel the pressure to be something that I'm not. So we're called to take our gifts as individuals and to use them for God's kingdom purposes and to get the spotlight off of ourselves. Third City, it's not that difficult. If you need help, sit down with a friend and just ask this question. Go, hey, what am I good at? And then listen. And if you struggle with that, there's about a thousand spiritual gift assessment tests that you can take online. I think there's even one at thirdcityc.org. You can fill one of those out and let a computer spit back out what the computer thinks you're good at. I'd rather you sit down with a human, but if you want to do it the other way, man, have at it. Do both. Discover how God has shaped you and find ways to use it for God's kingdom purpose. The next piece, not just how do I serve, but how do we serve? How do we as a church, and to be 
really honest with you, this is a piece that I get so excited about, Third City, because I believe that the church is the hope for the world. That Jesus commissioned the church to do something wonderful, to be love unlimited, to generations after generations after generations, and I believe in the church's purpose. And so when I read Romans chapter 12, this is a fun version. I love how they, the, the writer of this, Paul, I, want, I love how this man um, communicates how the church should be in all of its uniqueness and how it should operate in unity. So I want you to, I want you to hear, hear how he wrote this in Romans chapter 12. In this way, we are like various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. Makes sense, right? The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger, graphic, as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, pretty gross, wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were meant to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves to, with each other or trying to be something we're not. I don't have to try to lead worship. I don't have to pretend that I'm great with first graders. I don't have to pretend. You don't have to pretend that you love middle school students. I don't have to be envious of other people's giftedness, that they're so amazing at organizing and everything seems so efficient when they're involved. I don't have to be envious. I've got to be good friends with them because I need their help. But I don't have to be envious. And I can't be prideful thinking that my gifts are any more important than anyone else's. Because what would a left arm do without a right arm? What would You may think that your big toe isn't very important, but the minute that you lost it, you would desperately miss it. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. Guarantee at least one of you needed to hear that one. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate if you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed with them. Keep a smile on your face. I just love the importance that this passage puts on the body as a whole. Because we would be less without you. We would be less without the full giftedness of the church. There was a lady that just joined the church last hour, and I looked at her, and I go, man, this message pairs perfectly with someone that wants to be on mission with Third City. I looked right at her, and I said, hey, I'm so grateful that you want to join this church on mission because I guarantee there's ways that you would fill in gaps that I have in my personality and my giftedness. And I guarantee there's ways that I'm going to come alongside you and fill in what's missing in your world. And, and we as a church can be effective. So there's the other what. How do we do this together? That is the what. I have to talk to you about the why. Why, why should we be the church and serve together? Why serve together? I mean, again, I think finding the what is quite simple. Looking at your giftedness. How can I use it? 
but why together? Why together? We find the why together in what Jesus did in commissioning his disciples to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. You see, he had already been crucified. He had raised from the dead. He had spent a a significant amount of time with the people closest to him, and he was about to leave again. And he looked at him and he said, look, the Holy Spirit is going to come and is going to give you power. And that power is going to be to take my message, he said, to Jerusalem, the nearby city, to Judea, to Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Third city, as we stand here over two, almost 2,000 years removed from that conversation, because of the obedience of those disciples, because they were obedient to that commissioning of being the church, uh, being together better and serving together, we are here and we have heard the good news of Jesus Christ. They knew nothing of the internet. They knew nothing of global travel. They knew nothing of that because of their obedience. Truth and hope has come to our generation. We have the ability to be love unlimited to the people around us because of their ministry of love unlimited. And they were obedient. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's one of my favorite verses, Third City, about how we... um, How we as the church should feel, pressure may be the wrong word, the highest calling of being the church. Because we are citizens of a kingdom that's here now. And I think sometimes we we limit the gospel to giving us hope of not going to hell, which it does. It gives us life, but I think we miss what it does today and now. I think sometimes we forget the power of the gospel in the present. And the writer of this letter in 2 Corinthians said this, says this, says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We've been given a ministry and a purpose. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. That is our ministry to the world around us, to love and serve people with the hope that they might hear the message of the gospel. That they might find out that, you know what, through Jesus, God isn't going to count your sins against you anymore. You don't have to be perfect. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. This last sentence, third city, is the one that gets me. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. You want to talk about having a role in something bigger than us. As if Christ was making his appeal through me. Is how I should serve. Is how I should live. And is how I should love. And so if we are Christ's ambassadors, okay, 
Politically speaking, if we're ambassadors, that means his church is an embassy of hope. It's a place where people should find unity, compassion, love, grace, hope. We're an embassy in a world that needs truth and hope. And that gets me excited. Man, that gets me excited. Because I'd be overwhelmed if I was doing this alone, you guys. If I had to move my house alone, I'd be overwhelmed. But you know what? When it comes to restoring marriages, the church can handle it. The Holy Spirit, through the work of the church, can handle it. When it comes to planting a school and a church in Nairobi, Kenya... That's overwhelming to me. I don't even know how to organize all that. But the church together can handle it, and I was a part of that. You might sit there and go, you know what? Taking 100 students to a camp in July, that's overwhelming. You're a part of that. You're an ambassador of truth and hope to the next generation, and you may not even have to lift a single finger in student ministry. When it comes to mending relationships, bringing hope, The gospel has power to do that here and now. And when we serve Third City, it's an open door. When you take time to sit and have a meal, that person might listen. When you take time to arrive at someone's doorstep with two bags of groceries, they may listen. When you simply take time to listen to them, they may listen to you. When you mow their grass, when you paint their house, when you hang their siding, when you vacuum their carpet, when you do their nails, when you spend time, they might take a moment to listen. When you buy them shoes, they might take time to listen. When you serve them food, they might take time to listen. When we serve, it opens a door for the gospel to enter in. And that is why, Third City... We serve together. Um, The gospel has so much power in our world, but it takes so much more than us to go to church to make this happen. We have to be the church. We have to serve. We have to be the church. And in serving together is always better. Father, you demonstrated the greatest level of serving when you approached the cross. You did not hesitate. You didn't flinch. You knew that you had to serve humanity in that role so that the gospel could have a chance. Thank you for doing that, Father. So, Lord, as we enter into this time of communion, Let us remember that. And Father, as we take the bread and we take the cup, I pray that we are inspired and challenged to join you on mission in serving others together so that the gospel will have a chance. We ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I feel like there's there's a message here today for some of you that needed to hear that you don't have to carry things alone. 
We don't have to be the central Nebraska person, don't help me with my boxes, I can get this done on my own type of person. The church exists for you. To walk next, next to you, sometimes to carry it for you at times. And then others of you need to hear this piece of, it's time for you to serve so that the gospel will have a moment to be heard. So that the gospel can have access in your workplace, in your homes, in your families, in your friendships. I love one thing that we're doing during this series is reading the church's response to the gospel and the impact it had on the community and how they lived in reading Acts chapter 2 together. So let's do that now. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in their temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Third city, the way that the church lived, the way that they served, caused God's kingdom to grow. Let's be the church. We're better together. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org, call us at 308-384-5038, or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.